been a star of their season tonight. He showed the world what he could do. My God, a question. An extra gear for the freshman. Touchdown. And the freshman is off. Foot race. <laughs> They're looking at shoe bottoms and nothing else. Into the end zone. Touchdown. The freshman just ran it back to Philadelphia. All right, everyone, welcome back to the Future Fresh Podcast. Welcome to episode 19. Today I'm joined by my great friend, Mr. Corey Pereira. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore guitars. Still one of the better Twitter names out there. Still jealous <laughs> to this day a year later. Corey, welcome <laughs> to the show, brother. Thanks, man. You know, I'm always happy to hop on with a fellow metalhead as well. You know, we, were, we did this uh, last year as well, uh, looking at the running backs again. My favorite position, actually, to kind of look at, even though it's sort of becoming a devalued position a little bit for the NFL, but it's still, I just love a good running back. And they're the kingmakers in Dynasty, man. It's hard not to fall in love with them. Yes, running backs is in high demand. And I thought the wide receiver uh, episode is going to be good. I think the running back one, I think this is going to be pretty solid too. <laughs> um, but I think this is a good time to bring you on because we can talk about these guys in a Debbie aspect, mm-hmm. which is I think can be more long-term for some of these guys, but we will put a spin on the CFF dynasty and how sometimes a lot of times in the first rounds, like we've talked in the past few weeks, a lot of it min- mirrors each other, especially in Debbie and uh, when it comes to CFF, as far as these guys being productive and wanting to have them. And in such high demand for the running backs. So uh, before we move forward, let's talk about some quick housekeeping. Of course, campusdecanton.com. You can find all your articles, tools, different memberships. Uh, we always recommend the NIL tier membership so you can get access to all these great guys that are coming out. Corey, the Debbie guy just released. Tell me uh, some things that you were really proud of and maybe like a uh, maybe a page or profile in particular on the Debbie guy that you really liked, uh, you know, when you guys put it all together. Yeah, so we just dropped that thing May 1st, right at the beginning of this month. We're really trying to get it in your hands before those drafts kick off this year because I know everybody's starting up those drafts now as soon as the draft is done. You know, we can't wait. We're all impatient. <laughs> so we've been, we've been really grinding on this thing for the past couple of months. You know, 247 profiles, uh, 60 quarterbacks, 76 running backs, 85 wide receivers, and 25 tight ends altogether. Um, you're going to find things like uh, advanced stats, um, which, which strongly correlate to the NFL. You're going to find rankings, ADP. Um, you're even going to find the, the year one zero wide receiver theory that we have um, that um, maybe you, you guys talked a little bit uh, on last time. So talking about the wide receivers, which has shown some really strong promising correlation to the NFL as well. So really this guide is, is trying to get you guys to, to pinpoint the guys who are going to make it to your NFL rosters. Cause that's very, that's a very important part of C2C and Debbie, of course. I mean, you miss on a couple of these guys, you're going to be scraping at the barrel to try to remake that dynasty roster at the next level. So, I mean, when it comes down to, uh, to who I was really happy to write, I mean, I love my guys, so I love to write a couple of those guys. Two of two of them this year for me. Um, again, running back because I love them. So uh, Raheem Sanders has been a guy I've been following forever. I've loved to see oh, his progression from one year to the next year to the next year. Because I put I put my chips in on this guy. You know, I was taking him a little bit earlier than a lot of people in, in drafts uh, during his freshman season, and now seeing it all come together, you know, it, it just feels really good. And another guy, uh, Trey Benson at FSU, is guys I've really fallen in love with over the past. Uh, over the past season kind of broke out after that gruesome knee injury to start his career. Another profile I really enjoyed watching and looking into, but you're going to find loads of profiles like this. Um, it's $20 at campuscan.com for a single purchase. It's also included in many of our membership options over there. So if you guys want any more information on this guide, um, just make sure to hand, head over to the Campus Canton YouTube channel. We did a release show over there. It tells you everything you need to know, what you can expect in it, where to get it, how to get it, how much money it is. Um, and other than that, you know, it's just it, it's been a good it's been nice to take a step back from it a little bit and just kind of relax this week and maybe hop on a couple shows with the guys like yourself and just get back to talking some freshmen and the everyday things, day to day life, you know. <laughs> 
Yeah, man. It's uh, I'm glad that you're in your chill period, whereas our yeah. mind's starting to move up now. We're all, we're on deck with a CFF guide. Yeah, a lot of pressure right, there. Right. We try I'm to be the better one. guide. Yeah, mm-hmm. man, little friendly competition. Debbie guide's always really good, so we just try to put in some good competition. Make sure <laughs> it's the better guide job. of the year. But uh, you know, <laughs> that's where we pick it up. But I'm I'm glad to have you on. And uh, we were like you were talking about. We we're going to talk about the cream of the crop, the 2023 running back edition. Of course, I got my boy uh, CJ. They call him C4. We'll talk about mm-hmm. Mr. Baxter here uh, shortly as well. But before we start, Corey, I want to dive in just a, for a few minutes about Devi versus CFF Dynasty. So at the most, um, when it comes to CFF, we're lucky if we could get all four years or even three years of production. One of these guys is in a, uh, we'll talk about, that went to the same school as another uh, prospect as that mm-hmm. one. So it's just a traffic jam, you know, so we're looking at that one. But when it comes to Debbie, that's where things change. So a guy that maybe goes to an Alabama or goes to a school like Texas where there's just a lot of talent there, maybe if they don't get full production in college, Still, there's an option for them at the NFL level. Uh, a good example would be like a Josh Jacobs, or we saw B-Rob out of Alabama, who you know only had really one year of good production, but was right. able to land a great spot. And now you know he's doing really well there in Washington. So can you explain a little bit how running backs in particular, their value increases? Because let's face it, like we're lucky if we get a full decade out of them as far as overall production in the NFL. But if we can get an extra couple in college, that's helpful. So we're looking at like a less than a 15 year window here with running backs. And that's where the value is there. So can you talk about why they're more, I'd say, I wouldn't say more important, but just a bigger asset sometimes in, in Debbie for sure. Yeah. And it's also a very thin position. Once you get to the NFL, the NFL realm, so look at this past draft class. We're lucky if we're getting two to three guys out of every draft class, right? Yeah. But really they are the Kingmakers in dynasty. So you want to kind of focus on them and kind of like you're saying, sometimes you have to really focus on some of the traits guys like Josh Jacobs, guys like Alvin Kamara, things like that, who didn't exactly light the world on fire in college making the transition still to the NFL because they're going to look at some of those things otherwise, you know, and so we have to focus on some other kind of traits like size, um, speed, athleticism. Um, and of course, you, you have production that's going to lead to a, a good look at, on the NFL level when they finally take a look at your at your profile. So, of course, you want that. But then if you're missing things like the size and you're missing things like the athleticism and you're missing things like that that you need to translate to the next level, some physicality and some things like that, like you're going to have a hard time. So, Devi is really – we have to try to separate some of those things, right? CFF, they love to see some of their production and they think, oh, this well, why isn't Mohamed Ibrahim a, a huge pick in the NFL? Well – it's because he's slow. He's got injury issues. He's got things. So some of those things don't translate very well. So our job as Debbie analysts is try to single out some of those things that translate better, you know? So we want to see some athleticism. We got to see physicality. That's big for me is, is if you're not physical enough to pick up those three to four good yards that, that, that guys want to see, because that's really what you're doing like 75% of the time in the NFL is picking up those three to four chunk yards and just trying to make the next down easier. You know what I mean? So I feel like you need that. Yes, it's nice to see a flash play. It's nice to see a guy like Keaton Mitchell who can break it to the outside and speed all the way down the sideline but it's very rare that you're going to get opportunities to do that at the nfl level so we have to try to single out um traits that are going to translate better to the nfl and that's really our job here it's not an easy job <laughs> it's it's very difficult we miss a lot just like everybody misses in every aspect but but i mean i i happen to think at c2c we do a pretty good job here and we are pretty aggressive in you know being out on a guy, being in on a guy, voting guys very high. You're going to find freshmen ranked very high in our in our uh, in our in our rankings overall as well, because you know some of these guys just present a little bit better upside than guys like you know maybe like a Marquise Irving or something that like maybe we're a little bit just not sure about at the next level. 
Yeah, uh, I've definitely noticed, especially going through these uh, cream of the crop episodes and stuff like that, there's just so much good talent at the top when it comes to running back, wide receiver, quarterback, especially this year. Um, a few places, you know, when it comes to CFF, we always look for landing spot. But this year was really, really, you know, it was like a gold mine, especially with guys like Nico going to Tennessee and Dante mm-hmm. choosing UCLA, you know, things like that, where there's just good landing spots and stuff like that. Um, but that's why I like Debbie too. And I like where people can play different leagues and understand the differences and the mindset and things like that. Just because if you, you know, got a guy that's going to, you know, they're all like, let's sign up for Georgia. Let's sign up for Alabama. You know, things like that, that we all yeah. talk about CFF or like, oh, let's go ahead and just write their name off or maybe yeah. <laughs> you'll see them on waivers for weeks on end because it's like, there's no production or you just hold right. on and they're roster cloggers. So we're in Debbie. You just, uh, hey, we still need to take him because this guy has a pro comparison of a, really good guy that we really liked and he has got favorable traits. So that's what we wanted to talk about today. That way we just have a Debbie perspective as well as a CFS perspective, what we can kind of expect. And we're going to start with Mr. Cedric Baxter Jr. He likes to call himself CJ as well. He's the on three consensus 97.26. He's the only five star in this class considered uh, compared to on three, I would say as far as overall rankings. Now there might be a couple more on 24 seven or arrivals and things like that. But with the consensus, like we talked about last week, it's just good to have a good median and have a mm-hmm. good number and just have like a good uh, overall temperature of the room. We'll say when it comes to these guys in particular. So, Take a look at Cedric Baxter. I wanted to kind of look around and see what he was about. Uh, needless to say that uh, this man is very, very special. Uh, mm. Played three positions uh, at high school. He played running back, linebacker, and uh, he played D-back all the way through sophomore year. His junior year is when he went full-time as a running back. <laughs> and Corey, he rushed for 1,700 yards and 26 touchdowns, and he averaged mm-hmm. about 8.6 yards per carry as a junior. He literally just completed his his senior season. He's only 17 years old as he's yeah. entering. So this is like a I'm not going to say he's he's different than but a Braylon Allen esque where we're talking about a younger guy coming in and could probably light the world on fire early and often. So what was your thoughts on Cedric Baxter? Do you love the landing spot at Texas? Because I know we have a favorite of Jadon Blue that's still there, um, but that that doesn't make any difference really for Debbie, but for CFF. We are a little interested. So what are your thoughts on Baxter? And do you think he can rise up in this room real quick? Yeah, I think just mainly looking at him right off the bat. So I think, you know, a lot of Debbie guys on our recruiting team as well, our, our process starts more so after that junior tape comes out. So we look at junior and then we kind of look at senior, kind of see how they've evolved from junior to senior. But this is just a guy that really checked a lot of boxes when you first initially look at the profile, right? Size, 6'1", 215 pounds, check. Speed, recruiting team has a has him marked at 21.9 miles per hour. Check mark right there. And, and going to a good situation at Texas, right? Um, he has some, um, sorry. He has some pretty nice tape as well. I do remember um, that junior tape I was just talking about early on, coming away fairly impressed. Pretty good level of competition there at high school as well. Very instinctual runner, which is one of the things uh, I actually remember saying about Brees Hall a lot, um, which is kind of some similarities that I do see there. Almost seems like he has like eyes uh, all over his head, the way he like effortlessly kind of like navigates traffic, um, seems to be in the right place at the right time um, when holes open up. Um, pressing the line, uh, shooting through the open gap when it's there. Very high level of, of spatial awareness when he's navigating traffic. Um, I will say, one of the things I did notice looking at some of his tape, O-line was pretty strong in some of that tape, some pretty nice holes as well. Um, uh, and then going through it into his senior season, he did kind of deal with a little bit of an injury as well, which kind of you know took away some of the stats as well. I think he rushed for about just under 1,400 yards there. But I did love some of that tough greediness he showed, uh, playing through that tough ankle, that, uh, ankle injury that he was having. Still put up some pretty 
pretty gaudy stats, lowered his head a little bit more, wanted to see him hit contact a little bit better, which is something that he didn't do as much in his junior season. So I was happy to see that. That was also one of the things that even Brees Hall was dinged on a little bit was just, you know, kind of wanting to avoid contact more than take it head on. So that was something I kind of wanted to see him evolve a little bit. Um, so he did kind of do that a little bit as well in his senior season. Doesn't have that much experience as a pass catcher. Um, although some, there are reports of him looking pretty good across like seven on seven camps through as a pass catcher. So hopefully that's something that'll translate, but it's not something that I typically see as a huge part of his game right now. So that's kind of how I see CJ Baxter as, as a player, but now entering the situation at Texas, um, we all know, obviously Bijan is leaving to the NFL. That leaves the room pretty open there. I think the Longhorn fans, the faithful, they're probably going to tell you that they think it's going to be Jonathan Brooks, at least from what I've been reading for the most part. Um, but then, of course, like you just mentioned, we also have Jadon Blue, a guy that the C2C team was very high on going into last year. Didn't really have the freshman season um, that we wanted to, but flashed a little bit this offseason, flashed a little bit in the spring game. He's putting himself right back in the mix. So it definitely leads to like some some uncertainty to Baxter's role in year one. I think when I was looking at it earlier on when he was committed, I actually thought, you know, you know, Jayon Blue hasn't done much. Brooks hasn't done much. He could walk in and, and feasibly take the role from day one. Now, with him popping back, with Jayon Blue kind of popping back up, and and we liked him a lot as a prospect yet last year. Top three guy universally across everybody, uh, Jayon Blue. So it, it's interesting that now both these guys are going to be in this backfield. Um, I will just say, though, that for me, like 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 the title of the show, cream rises to the crop or to the top. Right. And there's a chance. I think that Baxter is probably the cream of this running back core, given the size, given the speed, given everything. General blue is kind of a smaller guy as well. Maybe profiles a little bit more as a complimentary play- player. I think there's a legitimate chance, especially if they struggle early, that he's going to push for playing time uh, early on in this season. Um, and given that we don't really know much about Brooks or blue to see how they're going to handle this, this new role that's going to come to them. I mean, it, it, it leads to ambiguous feeling around the whole room. One that Baxter, I think could climb out of. For sure. And we've seen it literally in just this, this draft that Texas can have several running backs to come out and be prospect worthy, be one that's draftable and things like that. Roshan just went to the bears has mm-hmm. a great opportunity. Um, regardless if anyone tells you that Herbert and those guys can do it, I think they're good. I mean, they got foreman, but there's a lot of injuries, a lot of blah, blah, blah. And Roshan is fresh and ready to go. So it's just one of those things where, like, there can be some value that's coming out of this. So even out of the CFF aspect, if we look at Baxter, this is just, uh, you know, a great opportunity for him to come in and kind of make things happen. Uh, I also see Brooks as one of those Roshan guys. It's just like, I think he's going to be there, but I don't know if he Mm -hmm. would be the center of that attention. And Baxter has that finesse. He does. I mean, Bijan is one of a kind. He reminds me of Saquon so much as far as like just elite 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 but Baxter has some eliteness to him he has some finesse to him uh he actually uh got compared to Larry Johnson from Penn State did you see that on on three by chance uh, no see, I, I'm, I'm still making the transition on three I'm still yeah. I'm still rocking hard with 247 I know a lot of guys are starting to make the transition but they're doing some very good things over there on three I gotta start using them a little bit more to kind of look at how, to, how they're viewing players yeah I just like it because they just kind of merge it all together but yeah. Larry Johnson had pretty uh you had good receiving skills and very similar as far as open field situations and Baxter definitely carries that the good thing is Baxter actually is a taller and better version of Larry Johnson yeah Larry Johnson was drafted in the first round so if we're talking just in Debbie prospect I mean Baxter is definitely a guy that you want because he's a future probably first rounder as long as he can you know get on the field and show some really really good tape so even if Jadon Blue's there for like even the first year or two you know as far as in front of him I think Baxter's still worth it now let's talk CFF real quick and then we'll move on to the next guy um I it's hard to not want to take Baxter because it's like one of those like he's 
uh, he's he's elite you know so it's like one of those like he's the zachariah branch of this class he's mm. the only five star so it's hard not to pass up and when it comes to a running back even in cff not just the nfl fantasy and stuff like that you got to have a guy that you know that can take it to the house and get you those fantasy points still Jadon blues in the way and things like that so say i mean i know you're more of a defy aspect but you do play some you know cff and starting to get into it and what's your thoughts so far as baxter versus a guy like branch or versus like say if you got one of the quarterbacks say you got i don't know you're in uh you're the 101 to 105 range uh is baxter still in your high priority just because of how low you know the uh the pool is per se as far as like five star running backs or are you like nah branch is too good or jante cook's too good or dante moore's too good what's your thought process there yeah, I definitely think the, the the scarcity of the position definitely plays uh, a big part of it, right? Because even at wide receiver, we're talking about so many options of guys to come up out of nowhere. Even guys that we think we're going to be the guy, all of a sudden we've got like six more. Like even, you know, Barry and Brown was a guy we weren't even talking a, a huge amount about last year. And he just kind of all of a sudden came up out of nowhere. So I feel like there's more options for guys to kind of come out of nowhere. There's not a lot of guys that hit the profile like a Cedric Baxter does with the speed, with the production, with the rating, with the situation. Those kind of guys, I think, like I'm taking him first personally out of any other skill position outside of quarterback. So I'll probably still head off to at least at least Nelson and more. I mean, we'll get we'll, we'll be getting into all the freshman rankings if we go too deep, but I'll at least be taking two quarterbacks first. And then it kind of opens up for me. Cause you know, I'm not as big. I'm not as big on the other two guys. And I might even go with Cedric Baxter there right around 1.3 for myself in a pure Devi draft. I understand it differently from looking at it in different ways. Quarterbacks, you know, in a C2C, as long as they're going to play, um, you're going to get some good production there as well. But for me personally, running backs being those kingmakers, they are 1.3. He comes into contention for me. Yeah. That's where I'm kind of looking at. It's like, it would be hard to pass up on a Malachi Nelson or even a Zachariah branch. Uh, but then when it comes down to like the quarter, you know, the other quarterbacks, like, do I take more, do I take Baxter? You know, could I take, you know, the other guys? So that's where kind of where I'm seeing as. Um, so I'd say still, uh, he'd be a good one. Like if somehow he does fall, which I doubt that's possible, but if he does fall in a freshman supplemental draft past the one Oh six, if you're in contender mode, kind of like we talked about uh, Makai lemon last week, like he's just one of those guys who you want to grab, even though I think he could get on the field and actually, you know, make something happen this year. Um, but he's definitely like a, in a case for, you know, full production by next year. So I still think it's worth the first rounder to grab such an elite player, such as yeah. uh, such as C4 here, because he's explosive and you want to have him. That's why he has the nickname. So mm-hmm. if we go up and grab Baxter. So let's talk about our next guy who was actually a guest on a Debbie debate. And that's Mr. Justice Haynes. Of course, he comes from NFL royalty and Georgia royalty. So the fact he chose the Crimson Tide over the Bulldogs made a lot of our Georgia fans cry i'm sorry jared um there's a few others on on the team that was just like how is this guy not a georgia bulldog um but he actually has a pro comparison of miles sanders from penn state another penn state guy as well but the similarities uh come from a patient running style so haynes is very selective as far as finding his hole and kind of making that happen really good contact balance and i think that's something you'll probably have seen as far as uh, you're looking and stuff like that. And then he has just great stride in open field and he's got versatility. So he just knows how to make a play and make it happen. Uh, So Mr. Justice Haynes is on three consensus 97.14. He is a four star, which means one of the guys rated him a four star. That's rude because I think Justice (laughs) Haynes could be a five star. Um, And I think he was at one point. And then just over time, the median, the number came down, whether it was ESPN or whoever was basically, but, Justin Haynes, 
special man uh like i said he comes from the royalty and i love it because he comes from a work hard attitude so when they interviewed him one time not even on the c2c episode you could just tell he's a he's a dog and he's just one of those guys where he's going to get after it and he's going to try to make his way on the field as fast as possible but i loved it because in an interview he says that you have to keep on working because someone's always out um to better you and so like he doesn't want to be the guy that gets out better he wants to be a guy that stands out as the guy so he's the one putting the reps and stuff like that as well man um also mr haynes he also played two sports baseball and football so through his junior year he had more than 5873 yards and 72 touchdowns which is ridiculous <laughs> uh i'm pretty sure that's like a record probably uh and then i think that's in georgia so it's got to be a record and he can also throw uh as a pitcher a 90 mile per hour fastball so and you should see the i mean for those on youtube you should see the guns on this kid this kid is stacked man he's 510 mm -hmm. It uh, says 193 pounds, but I bet he's way over that now being at Alabama because that Voight program is legit. So saying all that, what is your thoughts on Justice Haynes? I know there's so much in running back, so but we already see all spark, especially in the spring game. And I know there's guys in front of them, and Saban likes to play as veterans. But there's a, I think there's a track for Haynes to start sooner than later. So what's your thoughts on Haynes and picking Alabama over guys like Georgia and other options? Yeah, I mean, for what it's worth, he is listed at 200 now on Alabama's website, which is nice to see. Let's so hopefully go. he's already added a little bit of weight there. Um, but yeah, like to me, super fun guy to watch, right? Probably one of the more dynamic runners at the top of this list. Um, super productive in high school, like you were saying. And like you were saying, a guy who loves to work hard, right? And one of the things I love was this guy super dominant in like 5A classification, which is a good classification in Georgia football already, right? But wanted more, right? To, uh, transfer up to 7A as a senior, um, still continue to dominate at that level. It was He took less touches, but was way more efficient, like 12-point yards per carry or something like that, even jumping up there, more explosive, like like more 100-yard uh, games being at that higher level of competition. I mean, he just stepped in at that, that high level of competition and was still the exact same player. So you're talking about a guy who loves to work and loves to keep challenging himself. Those are the kind of things, the intangibles we talk about that we love to see, right? Um very shifty, very quick runner guy that can kind of like, um, this is not a comparison. Okay. I'm just saying, but the Barry Sanders, like reverse the field, you know, and still yes. get away with it. Having the speed and vision to find a, find the hole on the other side, really impressive lateral movement, very elusive, has a knack for avoiding contact, even though you kind of say he takes it very well, but he, he has a knack for avoiding it. Kind of like the Alvin Kamara thing where he just seems, seems to slip and not take a hit square onto his frame. You know what I mean? When he's first taking a hit, um, gotcha. very good around the line of scrimmage. Uh, patient presses the line, allows his blocks to kind of set up in front of him. That really good quick twitch stop start ability allows him to be a little more of a dancer in the open field and then other backs can really get away with. Um, I think there is an avenue there, though, with the dancing that could maybe get him in trouble because you can tell he has a lot of confidence in his ability, right, to find to find an opening, evade tacklers. Um, even during the, the All-Star circuit, at the All-American game, you saw some of that. Um, but, but the tendency to dance, I think, could annoy some coaches at the next level. We kind of saw this with David Montgomery even when he came into the to the NFL because he was somebody obviously not the same athletic spectrum as Haynes, but he danced so much that it turned the coaches off uh, there with the Bears early on. He had to learn to pick up those easy three to four yards, just put your head down and pick them up. That's something that I maybe want to see a little bit more from him, not some, not always try to pick up the big play. Um, and the contact bounce at that size, I want to see if he can if he can continue to grow, at least because he has the frame for it, but how he's going to take those hits at the next level when everybody's better, when everybody's a little bit bigger, when the athlete is better, right? His type of skill set, um, 
you know, I, I think there's a realm where he could kind of be like the Jameer Gibbs type in this offense. He doesn't have the same kind of pass catching upside, only 23 receptions through his four-year high school career. So that's something that's going to need to continue to be developed. But he does bring um, something to to this running back core that that isn't currently there, right? We saw some promising uses in that spring game, uh, especially in the red zone. You know, he's, you, he seems like a guy that might not be the lead at least early on, but might be rotated in pretty frequently. He was getting those high value touches um, near that red zone. He's showing a lot of faith early on, has that nose for the end zone that they probably like. Um, so he, he, like I say, he's just going to bring something to that room that doesn't have, you know, McClellan, Roydell, Miller. They don't kind of bring that same shiftiness that he has. So I can see him, uh, whereas before I was a little bit worried how much playing time he would get early. Now I'm kind of flipping a little bit and thinking, you know, they kind of want to rotate this guy in. They, they, they see something there that, that's worth getting on the field. So after entering a little bit concerned uh, on his year one usage, um, I, I'm, I'm happy with, with uh, the faith they're showing in him early. And I'm kind of changing my tune a little bit. I think he could make an impact in year one. Yeah, it was it was one of those options where it's like, oh, man, Alabama. But then I was like, OK, let's look at what they actually have. And other than Jam Miller, who we talked about actually last year on this yep. episode, um, I, I like Jam still. But at the same time, like Haynes is just has a different uh, different cog, a different uh, level. You know, you have like the, uh, you know, bunny mode on uh, the yeah, lawnmowers yeah. and stuff like that. I feel like he just has a different <laughs> mode to him, if that makes sense. He's yeah, Mil- Miller is a gear. very Miller's a very good like all around talent. Absolutely, but like I have a hard time hanging on my hat on something that's like elite with him. Sometimes, like very, mm-hmm. he's just like very good everywhere. Whereas like movement skills and Justice Haynes, I think I can pin that on elite. It's it seems like above everybody else's skill set. Yeah, just a different level. Yeah. Um. So let's talk Debbie first, and we'll talk a little CFF. Debbie, he's got to be. Gosh, what between the 101, 105? Like, he's just a yeah, same, that you same have to reason. take, right? Him and Baxter are the only two guys I consider with first round picks in a Debbie draft for run at the running back position. So, either one you want to take some guys like Haynes a little bit more, some guys like Baxter a little bit more. I'm kind of siding with the size, size just a little bit and the complete profile with, with Cedric Baxter. So, I would take him first, right. but I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't argue with you if you want to take one of the other first. Yeah, I was going to say at 5'10", I mean, that's not too much. I mean, 6'1 to 5'10", that's a big difference there. Yeah. Um, but we've seen guys that are smaller in nature as far as running backs, and they tend to be more of a bowling ball, and it's a little harder to bring them down. So if you add that weight, you obviously jack to the gill. So he's he's got everything going for him. Yeah. Like I said, just a different level. Uh, CFF-wise, man, this is uh, because there's so many good quarterbacks, wide receivers, and then, like, honestly, Baxter be one. I could see Haynes maybe at the end of the first round, if I'm being honest with you, just because, like, there's so much option. Just because we have such a good class when it comes to these three skill sets, basically, and there might only be, like, maybe one or two tight end options I'd even remotely think about. But, honestly, I'm just not a tight end guy in the first round or even second. I'm just – I supplemental. (laughs) I'll find a guy in, you know, a dirty pickup, like, 13 round or something like that that's just me um but or i'll just find him on waivers later basically but for haynes he might actually slip he might be a guy if you're doing a linear guy you might be the guy at 201 or 202 that could uh do that as well or if you need to feel like you need to trade up because you think he might go a little bit you know like the late of the first you can move up a couple spots and it wouldn't hurt you a whole lot uh, i would say you probably have to give up maybe like a you know, when it comes to CFF and stuff like that, if it's a dynasty, you might have to give up like another fourth, a fifth type situation. So that might hurt a little bit. But if you believe in the talent, then, you you know, that might be an option for you. The difference is we have to do a wait and see approach as far as who's starting, who's getting the stuff, you know, who's getting the carries and things like that. Because, we'll, you know, as 
far as everything else is going on at Alabama, it looks concerning, Corey. So it's like yeah. the running back game is that's the only game that we all know is tried and true at Alabama. So if it anything, the Crimson Tide is going to roll something on the facts that they're just going to run it down your throat. So it's just one of those things. How many carries is he going to get in year one? But year two, I think he could probably break out as a star easily. So for me, it's worth it to do like late first, early second, as far as a, a CFF dynasty is concerned, for sure. Uh, and I do think, too, with with where Alabama is going, you, you brought up a good point there. If they rock with Jalen Milrow at quarterback, um, we even saw it last year in his one start. I think they ran for almost over 300 yards as a team. So it's like yeah. they could be a very strong rush, rushing team this year if that's the direction they, they choose to go, kind of like the old Jalen Hurts era of Alabama exactly, back in the day, yeah. right? So if that's the area they go to the use, and like we were seeing lots of guys getting carries back then, Najee Harris, Damian Harris. Uh, I can't, there was one other guy in the mix, too. I can't really remember right now. But, King and Drake, uh, I think. Yeah, yeah King Drake and Josh Jacobs was in the mix back in those days too. Those days were a lot more. These guys were getting touches. I could kind of see that this year. I still think McClellan's going to kind of be the guy this year, at least leading at the front. But Haynes, you know, as early as next year, he could definitely become a factor here. Absolutely. So Justice Haynes, another guy that should be a five-star. It was a travesty. He's elite. (laughs) Go, Go out and get him. Yeah. So let's move on to our guy, Mr. Ruben Owens. On three's consensus, 96.89. He is a four-star prospect. Originally, he was going to take on Louisville and be a bird, along with his rice birds there in high school. But he decided to flip and takes on Texas A&M. So Ruben Owens, they give him uh, a pro comparison of Travis Etienne, which I thought was interesting. They have similar size. They both demand... uh, they both come from a dominant, like they dominated, but at a lower level competition yeah. in high school, if that makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, but they're similar as far as their track time. So they're, you know, as far as being shifty, fast, stuff like that, the versatility. Um, and they are, but they say that Owens was further along in his pass catching. I think we all remember the interview where Travis Etienne said he was scared of catching the football at one yeah, point, yeah. <laughs> which is pretty funny. And now you don't even think about it because he's just doing whatever he can there in Jacksonville and just doing his thing. Um, but they're saying that Owens is well ahead of schedule. It's just that Owens doesn't get a whole lot of opportunity to catch. So that would not probably be the area of opportunity there for Mr. Owens. But uh, what did you think about the flip from Louisville to AM? I think AM is probably more, a little bit more runner you know, run heavy. So, you know, I, I dig that, but it is, uh, you know, miss, it is the, they call it Texas A&M or ATM. So, you know, there's a reason why maybe there's an NIL money involved, things like that. We don't really, you know, go into those rumors and innuendos, but at the same time, you know, he did yeah. do the flip. So what's your, thinks, uh, what's your thought process on Owens as a prospect going to A&M versus him going to say Louisville, his first choice? Yeah, I, I, it's weird to say, but I kind of, I mean, it's not weird to say, especially from a Debbie angle, I guess, but I like that he flipped his commitment from Louisville, Texas A&M, I guess maybe from a CFF standpoint, I don't know where you guys were, were, were on with this. So maybe you can give me some look into that, but I, I'm thinking that maybe you guys thought there was an open, more open path to initial starting time at Louisville, maybe right out the gate. Whereas A&M, there is some guys there, there's some bodies there and stuff. But I mean, for, for me, it's a better spot for a Debbie uh, from a Debbie perspective, SEC, you're going to need a little bit more attention there. And I really don't think there's anything fun there like for for me to worry about you know lj johnson already off onto smu now they've got Le'Veon moss they're a very high ranking guy from last year but again not a guy that impressed me a lot in the limited chances he got amari daniels is a guy there as well that's kind of been kind of been working there fighting a little bit but again another guy like similar to haynes where owens brings something to this room that the other guys kind of don't right like i'm wondering if he can kind of be like in the early career a, a chain role that was that was here early on where he was kind of mixing in with Spiller and flashing a little bit and then eventually growing into being the starting role down the line, uh, that type of guy. But I'm, I don't think it's totally out of the equation that he can 
he could play a lot in year one because I think he's I think he's the cream of the crop here in in this backfield, right? I think Owens as a as a, as a player this cycle at least been a very polarizing figure this year, right? I mean the recruiting team at CDC has been up and down uh, on him a little bit, and really it starts with his age, right? So a lot of, a lot of people will be turned off by the fact that. Um, He's going to be he's turning 19, 20 years yeah. old in his freshman yeah. season, right? Yeah. We were just talking about it with Cedric Baxter coming in at, at 17 years old or making a comparison to a guy like Braylon Allen. We couldn't stop clamoring about, about what he was doing at 17 years old, right? It was kind right. of like a hashtag for a while there, only 17. But Ruben is already three years ahead of that, which means he's coming into the NFL at no less than age 23. You know, he's not going to be Kendra Miller coming in at 21. He's not going to be one of those guys coming in at 20 years old. You know, it's not exactly a death sentence, especially with like the age of the career you expect for a running back nowadays, but still it's something, it's something that we got to worry about. You know what I mean? For right now though, it's something I'm not overly focusing on when, when analyzing Ruben as a player, right? He's another guy, uh, like you said, very good against, uh, against his level of competition in high school, which wasn't uh, the best thing was four a, if I'm not mistaken. So some right in the middle, kind of like not, not the best, but you know, um, spent his fair share as the number one ranked back in the cycle as well, depending on what recruiting site you looked at good straight line speed, 21.5 miles per hour as recorded by our, our team over here. Um, and one of the things that you touched on as well with Owens that really that was really missing from the first two profiles we talked about uh, is his skills as a pass catcher, a guy who was lined up wide a bunch, um, ran a bunch of different routes, um, was making like wide receiver type catches over defensive backs down the field, you know, lined up as an outside wide receiver on the flank. You know, it's just an area of his game that I think is going to be a big plus for him early in his career and hopefully lend to him getting on the field early here as well very quick and shifty runner, very good at making guys miss is the kind of guy who can like string together multiple moves without losing a ton of speed. Um, loves to get downhill in, in a hurry, but the problem area I think here, he's going to need to adjust a little bit uh, is his pad level. I think he runs pretty high, especially for a small guy. He's creating an easy target for himself um, with, with kind of that size he's carrying. And I also just don't know how much weight he's going to be able to keep adding to his frame and keep the athleticism going as well. So it's going to be really intriguing to kind of watch uh, throughout his career here at a But I think, what I'm hopeful for is almost the a chain career arc where he might be comp more complimentary in the beginning, but kind of grows into the lead guy here. So early on, maybe a little bit more concerned, but, but very hopeful for where it goes. Yeah. Um, you know, when I first started, he was like, oh man, he went to A&M. I was like, there goes my Le'Veon Moss shares, you know, like I you know, yeah. Moss, <laughs> like in a second or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I finally got the A&M running back of the future. And now you're like, oh crap. Uh, but yeah. I, I like I like that option where like Moss might be the guy that can just put it, you know, between the, you know, between just run it through. Whereas I think Owens could probably get some play this year. I mean, we all talk about uh, guys like Evan Stewart, but they have Connor Wegman there as what, you know, quarterback. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Owens could get in and some uh, some slot or some extra catches or catching out the backfield or maybe lining up as a, a receiver from time to time just because he does have great passing skills going with it. Um, so. Uh, he was also, you know, not to mention he was the Max Pre- 2021 National Junior of the Year. So, I mean, like, he's got the pedigree. Like you said, he was yeah. the original first, uh, you know, top guy in the class before Baxter really turned it on in the senior season and as well as uh, Haynes kind of, you know, blasted ahead of him and stuff like that. But even at his level, which well, not have not been as elite as some of the other guys, but still 2,989 yards, 46 touchdowns, that's still getting busy. Yeah. Um, so he's not afraid to, you know, to, to be the end all be all. So I like that a comp where it's like, maybe he starts his a chain, 
maybe he, you know, works his way into the rotation, finally just becomes that guy and then takes it on because he can do that as well. Um, something that he said that he he said himself is that he uh, tailors his game after certain guys. And one of them was a guy that he talked about. And one was like a vision of Barry Sanders. He says he likes the catching <laughs> ability of Kamara. He likes his balance like Walter Payton. And he likes his quickness of Reggie Bush. So all it's like that. It's like names, that. David, right? Remember the old David Montgomery picture that they played? Or yeah. It's like the feet of this guy. Of Saquon exactly. Barkley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. That's what they're doing. That's what he's doing here. <laughs> I think Reggie always took that picture and literally in his mind's like, who are my guys? And then he's yeah. Kind of put him <laughs> together particularly as well um but no i mean when it comes to cff like the the cardinals had some change in quarter or in, in a in a head coach right so it's like to begin yeah. with like the the earlier resume like yeah because you guys had like evans and those guys in the backfield of louisville that had you know pretty substantial run and stuff like that and had a decent uh cff ceiling whereas with the change in what you know and head coach now it's like the wide receivers become a little bit more like sought after so a guy like yeah jamari thrash who came from georgia state over to louisville kevin coleman yeah kevin yeah. coleman and those guys there's so many coleman's by the way yeah and, there uh, is there's so many Coleman's. we were talking about last week last week i was like man there's so many coleman's in that <laughs> Uh, and one said, but uh, needs to say like Louisville's kind of changed where it's like A&M is definitely known for like more, you know, that two running back, one running back, you know, just kind of yeah. hit and go. So now between the two, I like it. Uh, whereas last year, like at first when he was going to be a Cardinal, I was like, all right, there was no change in head coach or style player or anything like that. I was like, oh man, Owens could easily be, you know, RB1. You know, he could com- completely take on that role pretty quickly compared to the competition, but A&M, you know, it would be a little bit more challenging, but I definitely see your point of view. I feel like he can get on the field and stuff like that. So because he's older, I, I, that has to affect Debbie, right? Like, you know, you, yeah. you only get like what, if you're lucky 15 years out of a running back from like college all the way to the pros. So it's like, if you come at a 20 something years old, you really only have like a, what, a five-year run window of breakout before, you know, you start to decline. Right. Yeah. I'm definitely, that definitely hurts, right? Because even when we're talking about a guy like like Kendra Miller that I mentioned, who's coming into the league very young right now, right. the good thing about him is even if he flames out where he is right now, in three years, he's only going to be 23 years old or 24 yeah. years old looking for that next contract. Those are big things in Dynasty for a running back because they're so few and far between as it is, right? And, mm-hmm. and their their longevity in the league is so, is so tough as it is. So you have to hope almost that Ruben Owens comes in puts on a little bit of weight, comes in very highly ranked, goes with a spot he can start right away because he's going to be 26 before you know it already in the NFL and everybody's going to be wanting to ship off of him, all right, if he makes it that far. So, yeah, you have to bake some of that risk in right here. Um, he's ranked third on on three consensus, right? So, for me, uh, yes, yeah, yeah. So, for me right now, he's running back four. And there's been a lot of guys who have been all over the place. For me personally, I think I'm taking age out of the equation right now because I'm not going to – I'm not going to put too much on this guy so early in his career just because of his age. You know what I mean? I want to see how right. it progresses. There's enough here that I'm interested in, and I'm not ready to write him off just because of the age. And because there's also the thing, that, you know, with that short career in in uh, the NFL, the the top age doesn't really matter. As right, if I can get four or five or four, three to four elite years out of this guy, I'm gonna you're gonna be pretty happy with him picking him at the top of your drafts or whatever. So I'm still giving him a little bit of leniency to show me what he's got. Hopefully, put on a little bit of weight, but you have to bake that in with your risk. How much you determine. That risk to be is up to you. But for now, I'm I'm placing it pretty low on my scale right now. And just kind of letting letting him show me if I should be putting a little bit more faith in him as we get closer to the NFL. 
So you have him ranked fourth. Where does that put him as far as like a round wise that you would take him? I'm assuming he's Two. out of the first round. So he yeah, he's out of the first. Round. So so second round for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Early second, mid second, you know, depending on where, where some of these quarterbacks go or whatever, or the wide receivers, you know, I might take all top five of my wide receivers before him, maybe Yeah. four or five wide receivers before him. So yeah, definitely, definitely looking at the second round there. Yeah, and we're talking about like, you know, Haynes is sitting behind, whereas, they, you know, Owens could probably, I don't know, I don't say he starts immediately over or before Haynes and just because of the situation. But as far as uh, CFF Dynasty, like he could probably get him in round three uh, just because of the talent and stuff like that. We're also looking, you know, most times we throw supplemental in there too, so that might be some veteran guys uh, or, you know, guys that are coming in for the first time that's P5, so like a Shador Sanders at Colorado, things like that where it's like you guys, you know, you have players that could you know produce wide away. So it might be harder for Owens to kind of stay within the first two rounds. I'll probably say like he'd probably worth early third. Uh, he might sneak into the back of the second round for sure, CFF. Um, but he's definitely a guy to, to look at, especially if you're a fan of AM and how they run their running back style, whether that was because we could take away the NFL and focus on the college production, but Spiller was good at college. You know, A-Chain was really good at the college level. Uh, this is the, you know, the next next series, whether you believe in Monster, you don't. But at the same time, like Owens is a, a guy that you should probably look at just because, uh, he, you know, we're talking about college. We don't have to worry about the the pro level and stuff like that. We're just yeah. worried about getting there. And even if he doesn't play a whole lot or at all, you're just getting three years of production there in college. And that's good for dynasty purposes. So that'd be worth the, the get for sure. Um, so All that's right. th- that is interesting to me though that you say more towards like the back of the second. You might be there available in the third. When we're comparing mm-hmm. to a guy like Justice Haynes, I guess from a CFF dynasty aspect, like I think when I think of these two guys, I almost feel better about grand overall career production coming from Ruben Owens where right. like Haynes, you might get like the last two years of his year, or maybe only one big year. And then he goes on to the NFL. Like, right. how do you guys factor that in? How come, like, why does Ruben Owens become a third round pick there instead of Haynes? I think it's one, the talent that's there too. Also yeah, okay. the supplemental, that, that's the main stuff. But at the same time, like when you look at, for us, it's a, it's also a systems thing too. Like for right. me, I'm my opportunity. So I try to weigh that. So my, so I'm trying to go more consensus for what, you know, uh, most dynasty players in CFF would probably look at it per se, but an Alabama running back is coveted, you know, cause you just take it, you take chances on these guys. So even if yeah. you have to go in the first two rounds, you just smash, you know, the, the draft on them because you're hoping, uh, you know, they, get to the front of the line and they become, you know, that, that Najee Harris or that one where you can literally just plug and play. And that's it basically. So that's, that's mainly the thought process. A&M's getting there, like their thought, you know, let's get in there, but because of the, uh, I don't think the age would probably be play factor in CFF, but the fact that, you know, they already have, and a lot of people aren't scared of Moss either. So Owens might right, go higher yeah. than what I'm actually thinking. I might be, you know, selling him a little too short per se. And he actually might be in the second, um, just because I think he could probably overtake Moss if he really wanted to probably by the end of the year is possible. Right. Yeah. Um, but A&M is trying to become more balanced with the passing and they want to make Evan Stewart happy and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, you know, they're, they're paying most of these guys, man. So we'll be honest. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> want to keep them their Defense is great, but if you want to keep the offense happy, keep yeah. paying them and it, keep it, playing them. It's a new world. It sure is a new world in college. It really is. It's definitely different for sure. <laughs> but definitely look out for Ruben Owens. Definitely think he's definitely draftable and you could probably catch him in the first three rounds, I'd say for sure. At least in CFF, Debbie, you want to get him in the second if you can. Yeah. So let's move on to another Alabama commit. And that is <laughs> Mr. <laughs> this is where it gets fun. This is uh, Richard Young. And of course he's on three consensus 95.51. He is a four star uh, athlete. Like I said, committed to Alabama. And he gives uh, – he's so he's 5'11", 195, and didn't get an age on on three, so maybe you can kind of help me there. But he seems to be pretty young. 
But what I do love about Mr. Richard Young is his heart. So when he's off the field, he's actually doing pro camps and stuff like that. He loves football. He's in the community. Um, so even if uh, later on his playing time is over, he could probably be a coach and stuff like that as well. Um, but he does give a striking resemblance. And everyone said Rashad Mendenhall from Illinois from back in the mm. day. That's a throwback, right? Yeah, that's uh, a throwback, yeah. But he has a striking resemblance in his size, his running style, and his production. And they're both uh, were track stars as well. So uh Young, for example, he ran for 1,755 yards, 20 touchdowns as a junior. He also runs track, uh, like we were talking about as well. But that's the thing. Like, it's his determination. It's his love of the game. That's what I really see coming through. Um, I just, you know, it's a, it's a roster. It's a clog. Now, mm-hmm. for CFF, like, I have no interest in Richard Young. Like, he could be a guy that you could probably gla- grab way past fifth or sixth round easily, man, just because it's like everyone's going to shoot for Justice Haynes, but if someone misses out on Haynes, someone will probably likely take the shot on Richard Young, hoping that he can kind of become the guy. Just like last year, someone will just grab uh, Jamar or Jam Miller just because they want to see if he can kind of just become the guy, basically, right. if that makes sense. So just like we talked about like a few seconds ago. But in Debbie, this has to be an intriguing prospect just because, one, legs are going to be saved. I'm assuming he's a little younger. I don't know if he's younger than Owens or not, but that's got to be intriguing as far as his play style and stuff like that. What's your thoughts on Young? Yeah, I will say I don't have an age off the top of my head, but I'm hoping with the name Richard Young that he's young. So let's just go with that. Me too, man. <laughs> yeah. Me too. So let's just hope that he's somewhere uh, there. But yeah, so uh, an interesting case where this is a guy you're going to find like rankings all over the place with Debbie guys, the recruiting team, T2C guys. They're, they're all kind of different levels uh, of uh, of where they kind of view this guy. 5'11", uh, 200 pounds. So you're looking at the same size as Justice Haynes, but right. really completely different players, which is, which is kind of surprising when you look at that. He really like... I think he would actually compliment Justice Haynes really well. You know, there, um, this is a guy who isn't afraid of contact. He lowers his pad level uh, at the point of contact, invites it, if anything, you know, aggressive runner, um, a little more well-suited for the type of guy um, who could add almost 220 pounds. Like I could see him playing, like, I don't think he'll ever oh, get there. Cause I don't know if he has the frame to, to get there, but in Alabama, I could see him getting up to 210, 215. Cause I think that yeah. suits his play style. You know, he's more of like that one cut, um, wait for the hole to open up, shoot, shoot the gap and get downhill quickly. Cause he has that type of speed to get downhill quickly, but he's not a guy who's going to, you know, layer a bunch of uh, open, field moves together dance around in the open field he's a he's a no-nonsense business business first running back pick up easy yards the kind of guy that the nfl will really like but also maybe lacks a little bit of that ceiling that we kind of look for uh of, uh, and dynamism that we look for in some of these runners um there is a little bit of worry that you know will that play style be able to fully translate at the next level again with bigger better athletes and maybe not having the frame right now to back up his running style and again the, the missing level of dynamism you know so it, it's tough to see, you know, how exactly where he's going to go. You know what I mean? Cause he's a guy that I think is more uh, a project right now. I want to see what he can eventually become, but I've actually got him pranked fairly low right now. I think he's coming in for me. Let me take a quick look. He is my running back nine right now in Debbie. And I think okay. honestly, I give him a little bit of credibility because of the Alabama situation, like you said, we just want to take shots on these guys. We want to see if they can become the guy situations change all the time, right? Guys get yep. injured. All of, a sudden a guy get, yeah, yep. all of a sudden a guy gets a, gets a chance and he becomes a guy we never even realized could be the type of guy that he is. So you have to take the shot on there. It is a very crowded running back, right? Uh, running back room. I know I do worry that his skill set clashes with like a McClellan who I know will be gone, but still clashes with that or even, 
you know, a Jamarian Miller, who I think brings more to the table even than, than he does, you know. So it worries me how much Young can get on the field early. I, I, I worry that he's like the next Roy Dell of the Alabama running back room where he's yeah. kind of talked about a little bit, shows little bits of flashes here and there, but never truly becomes the guy. Yeah, and I hate that for I'm in, I get it. He wants to be at Alabama. He thinks yeah. that's the great thing. These players like they think they're gonna be the guy, and that's great. But when you get to a, a serious backfield like that with so much talent, and the thing is, like uh, for some reason, man, like Alabama running backs, they just don't transfer out. And they yeah. most of them stay put, and whatever is Saban telling them, or they just know like if they're gonna be if they have that helmet on, that helmet transcends over the NFL. So it's like, hey, you're. Your yeah. chance is coming, whether it's four years from now, your red shirt or whatever you got to do. Basically, I'm, I'm imagining that, Rob, right? Yeah, I'm imagining that in that running back room, they have a picture of Kenyon Drake and they got a picture of Josh Jacobs, and they're like, "You don't even Rob's have to do anything, lots, man. Yeah, You're gonna get drafted. Here. Just be here." Yeah, yeah. It's like, hey, man, save your legs, go to the draft, have fun, get paid, basically. Yeah. And Saban knows people in the NFL, so he has those strings. If anything, Belichick will have somebody behind Stevenson eventually. So I mean, you know, he'll call up his boy and be like, "Hey, Belichick, I got." some guys here you know go, yeah, go exactly. check them out on tape right <laughs> uh so that's why for a debut perspective even though like he might be you know the opportunity's not there cff you know i'm definitely not going to probably take him i don't know yeah. if i i'd rather have some supplemental guys i'll be honest with you and then there's some uh you know like we talk big fish small ponds there's some guys that i have for opportunity and cff you need to at least have three years even sometimes we'll take a guy on one year as long as there's the promise of like a full like explosive year basically so that's where when we take guys like baxter and we take guys like haynes we're hoping for that huge huge explosive like fantasy point number basically is what we're after so um that's where you know young doesn't i don't see that on the wall per se right now but i do love his heart and i love the way that he does play i like i said he, he invites the contact i just love an old school running back that's not afraid to hit somebody man that just mm -hmm. makes me happy as uh someone in my 30s and, and watching the nfl and stuff like that for a long time right <laughs> yeah um i just like i like a guy that likes to hit man so with that being said uh him being lower what, what does that leave as far as a Debbie, uh, say if your guys are doing, I wouldn't even say startup, just saying, uh, you know, freshman supplemental type situation. Where is he at as far as a round? I think that puts me in like the third or fourth range. I think ideally the fourth, yeah. but honestly, I honestly think like I have him ranked there just out of like respect for the profile right. and everything oh, that he's going to do. But it's like, it's hard for me to pull the trigger on this guy, to be honest. Like I like, cause I think it's going to be a struggle. You're going to see him not doing much. You're going to have to just, you're going to have to really put some faith in it to kind of hope that he becomes what you think he could become or whatever in this crowded running back room. And we already have a guy that we think is the more special talent here. And they're going to continue to keep adding more special talents. He's the kind of guy that I could see being recruited over as well. So it's very tough. It's very tough for me to see it. So ideally for me, fourth round, fourth, fifth yeah. round. Yeah. So if it's fourth or even fifth in Debbie, it's got to be a fifth dynasty. No. It's got to be eighth and below. Like I'm saying, it's probably in the in the double digits for Richard Young. But yeah. someone's going to take the shot, just thinking that maybe, just maybe, he could get on the field and get one good year of production before he heads off to the NFL. So yeah. keep that in mind when you're drafting Richard Young. But I love the opportunity as far as his 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 heart, his his love for football, and then just the way he plays. He's a go getter. Let's hope maybe he sees the writing on the wall and, and dips out, but more likely he'll probably just stay in the back room there at Alabama. So <laughs> but we'll see, right? Yeah. All right, so let's move on to our next guy, and that is Mr. Jeremiah Love. He is the on-three consensus, 94.88. He is a four-star prospect, and he did commit to Notre Dame. Uh, so taking a look at Mr. Love, uh, 5'11 and a half. He was 185 pounds. That's where I'm like, hmm, 
luckily he went to Notre Dame. Really good about feeding them. Just ask Mr. Michael Mayer. That dude's an absolute monster. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Jaden Greyhouse, who we talked about last uh, week, as far as the wide receiver that could break out. They just love to feed their big boys, basically. So love, I think, is an opportunity, especially with uh, what was it, Tyree? He moved to wide receiver. They lost Diggs yeah. in the portal. Uh, they have Estime, which I think will be the guy this year. But Love can start to actually, you know, do that as you know, kind of get that level where he has an opportunity to be maybe a. a I wouldn't say even a 1B, but definitely like a 2A type situation. Like, I think he can relieve Estime for some of the series and stuff like that. So we'll probably see Love a little bit earlier, especially nowadays. Uh, but he had a per- pro comparison, actually, to Kenyon Drake, who we just talked about. So Love and Drake both have the same versatility. They have home run hitting ability, which I like. So it means if Love can get out in the open, gets to the second level, he's gone. It's, it's good luck, basically, trying to catch him to go along with it. So uh, they both are taller running backs as when they both came in as well. And they both have nice receiving ability. So if anything, Love can be another asset. Um, for Sam Hartman, and Hartman is not afraid to throw the football. That man's got a cannon, uh, and I love Sam Hartman at Notre Dame. It's just way <laughs> better than the Buckner situation and yes. all that fun stuff, man. So I'm very interested in Notre Dame this year to see how they evolve, if that makes sense, as far as their play style and things like that in particular. But he's also an all-purpose skill set, so he's kind of like very nice and level, if that makes sense with his skills. Uh, I would say that uh, when I – Asked around, I think Love in particular, they, uh, who was it, Austin, that said that he just uh, he's not impressed with his lower half of his body, if yeah. <laughs> that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, he's, yeah. It, it's afraid he's going to get wrapped up pretty quickly, which that kind of makes sense because Drake was at first similar before he started, you know, kind of molded into his own and things like that. Right. So so what's your thoughts on Love? Uh, he was he's pretty productive for the most part, man. I mean, he had 10.48 yards per carry most of his time there uh, as well. And he was really good at the 100 meter in, in uh, high school. So, I mean, the kid's got speed, right? So what's your thoughts yeah. on Love? Do you think he can overtake Estime? Do you think this is a, uh, a wait and see prospect? What's your thoughts on Love? Yeah, I will say with Notre Dame, you kind of touched on a little bit with Notre Dame, you know, kind of going through some changes this year. I do hope that we do get at least a passing element here from Sam Hartman coming in that at least open up some more lanes. They've always been a very good rushing team, but at least, you know, even open up those lanes a little bit more because at least Hartman will bring some of that threat that they've been missing for, I mean, freaking for God knows how long now, you know, so I'm really hoping that that kind of happens here. But I mean, the toughest part for me looking at Jeremiah Love's uh, profile, obviously, is that six foot, I guess, if you want to round up 190 pound frame, which it should theoretically provide him with the room to continue to add mass. Like you were saying there. Um, so maybe we have to keep watching him, but it does worry me a little bit from that Debbie angle transition, the transition to the NFL, very fun player and stuff, but we've, we've seen some, some studies before um, uh, our two of our downline analysts here, uh, Tim and uh, Chris, um, at C2C have done studies on this. We can we can reasonably expect about 12 to 14 pounds for a running back. That's like the average they looked at over like the past 10 years. Growth from a power five system in college, right? So 190 pounds, we're looking at 12. That's going to put them right around that like 202, 205 area, right? Which still isn't the greatest you know what I mean, guys? Like we're guys like we're talking about this year, like Air Gray and Ty J. La uh, and Ty J. Spears. Like maybe he's gonna fall more into that bucket this year. You know what I mean? Could, uh, good short area quickness um, has that make you miss type of ability. The kind of guy that's a menace in the open field, right? Has the impressive track times, uh, a bunch of times under 11 seconds in the 100 meter. Um, Still not maybe not the top tier athlete that some of these guys are 21.4 miles per hour tested by our team, which was a good number, but still not like the top of the class, the top percentile of the class. He's just unfortunately a guy that like Austin was saying with the lower half, you just don't see a lot of play strength or or physicality from, right? It's never going to be his, his calling card at at the next level is being able to push piles or being able to ensure yard situation. The one thing he does bring 
is the better pass catching skill set. You know, um, the, the way he was used in high school, a skill set that could definitely help him get on the field early. You know what I mean? But he's going to face some pretty stiff competition over there at Notre Dame as well. I mean, Audrey Estime is going to be your lead guy. He's the one obviously profiles as the lead. I know Diggs transferred out as well, but you've got Jadarian Price last year who flashed a little bit yep. freshman last year that they liked a lot before the injury. They've also got that pain kid. If you know his first name, you can tell me it's like Jabrain or a good guy. Or I, I, I don't know. I yeah. Just don't the pain. <laughs> yeah. It's so anyways, he got a lot of run in the, in the spring game as well. So they seem to like him a little bit as well. So I'm kind of worried that it's more muddled than it looks. I wonder if he could really climb to that number two spot. I, and then even Tyree, I know they're moving him to slot wide receiver, but there could still be opportunities where if they want to pass catching, uh, option in the backfield he's still there they might throw him back there and 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 take those pass catching snaps away from something we might we might have wanted for jeremiah love in his first year so i think it's definitely a play for the future with love um i, I i'm kind of skeptical skeptical of his nfl transition as well if you haven't gotten the, the point from i've been talking i think he's more of a change of pace back heading towards the next level i'm worried that he'll ever reach those those limits that we want a day three type of guy so um yeah definitely a fade for me in, in pure debbie drafts and i'm a little bit worried about the situation yeah when i saw the comparison to Kenyon drake i was like well Kenyon, when he gets opportunity is is he's okay yeah. but is he elite no um, even when he came from the caliber of, of Alabama, it's just, you know, he never really transitioned to, there was that time where in Miami, like he was just a guy for a year and then Baltimore, he had that year as well. So I meant like, yeah, he had like one or two good years, but that's like the cap that we're looking at and what Jeremiah Love is probably capable of, right? Like he's going to probably be day three, most likely a backup, a change of pace, a guy in the NFL. So I could definitely see that in the Debbie option, things like that. CFF, uh, what are your, what are your thoughts? Do you think? We're looking at one to two years before he's truly got an option. Or do you think he ever can take on like a major role as like a starting running back? Or do you think he's a one B option at best? I have a feeling, you know, they, they do like to use a lot of different backs there. So that's, that's the one thing that he's going to have going for him. It, it's going to be, it, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he, how it kind of progresses there as well, especially once Audric Estimates, is he going to stay another year as well? Cause if he stays another year and then we might even be looking even further, Jadarian Price is still very young too. He's going to be a guy that's going to be there. Like, so like, yeah, I could see like a full on fade in CFF, man, but maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm over, I'm looking too, too much at the, at, the basics of the profile, which, which screamed to me that he's more of a compliment, but I know in CFF, that's not always the case. You know, these small guys can sometimes get a bigger role. Look at Kyron Williams, who was a small guy who definitely did, who, who took over this backfield. That's not out of the realm of possibility for love. I'm just betting against it at this time. I think. Yeah. And in dynasty, I don't know the estimate was fairly highly owned. And if he is like, it's not, you know, like it might be like 30 to 40% on fan mm. tracks and stuff like that. So that's the case of where he might actually be in the actual supplemental draft coming up. But if that's the case, everyone's going to shoot high and take a first or second on estimate because that's instant production. And he gets you know, the right of passage of being the Notre Dame running back. And you want to have that. Um, whereas Jeremiah Love might be forgotten a little bit. So I think he's got, uh, I think he'll be ahead of of uh, Richard Young just because everyone thinks he'll probably have more opportunity ahead of mm. Richard Young. And, you know, it's not so much of a roster clogger, basically. Um, so I, I think he'll probably be, you know, he could probably be sixth, seventh round in CFF, especially if you want to take yeah. the shot at the guy that could be the a pass catcher. Maybe someone might believe in him a little bit more, take a little bit higher because they know Sam Hartman likes to, you know, dump off or he'll throw the long ball, whatever he's got to do to get the ball out. Basically Hartman will make it, make it happen basically. So there, there's a spot there, but I don't, th I think love is uh, like you said, more of a 
he's fading downwards, especially with the guys like Estimate kind of being they want to have him. And I think Estimate is what a junior sophomore. Yeah, I think like he's that. entering his third year now. Yeah. So I mean, he's got at least two years of CFF. So that immediately removes two years of full production from Love. So he really only has like two years left after that, and then you're hoping. So if a guy's really on like, hey, man, I'll just wait the two years. Uh, some people just can't do that. Some people do. It yeah. really does depend on your roster, right? But most of CFF dynasties are pretty deep. Like we're talking like 30, 30 people on a bench type situation type, you yeah. know, like barely any defense or anything like that. So he's still rosterable. I'm just saying don't expect uh, production in year one. However, he might see some snaps on the field. So don't be surprised if he gets on, you see like a reception, you see like maybe a few rushing uh things i don't think he'll be a complete zero in year one per se yeah. um but I, I, we can't guarantee that he's gonna take over anytime soon if that makes he, sense he so. has a very good complementary skill set so there, there is avenues right. for him to get on the field early on. yeah and that might be um that might be attractive to somebody as far as taking him maybe a round or two higher but for me i probably wouldn't be looking in looking at him until maybe seventh to eighth round basically to go along yeah. definitely definitely above um our boy richard young as well so all right, Cord, before we move into the Big Fish Small Pond, I want to bring up just a couple honorable mentions, just guys that you're interested in, stuff like that. Um, I want to start first. And uh, one, uh, we talked pre-show, but our guy, Mr. Mm. Cole Cabana, headed mm. to Michigan as well. This is one of the first uh, times in a long time that uh, my worlds collide of being a pro wrestling fan and also being a football <laughs> fan. Cole Cabana is the son of uh, professional wrestler Boom Boom Cole Cabana. So athleticism runs in his family. Uh Cole Cabana is a little bit smaller, so he's, what, 5'7", five, 5'8", five, or so. And the weight, uh, you know, he can move up, but it's Michigan. So we talked before show that they'll definitely feed the man. But what I really, really love about Cole Cabana is he is – he can catch the ball best probably out of anyone in this class. I'd have to say when I definitely took a look at him, he's got lots of burst and ability and uh, he just, his catch reminds people a lot of James cook out of UGA, as far as being a pass catching guy yeah. could get it done very much a complimentary piece. So if you can find a guy like Corum that can be the bruiser, I think, uh, I think Cole can probably supplant, uh, you know, or take over after Donovan Edwards moves on and kind of be that second option where he could probably still be a main back if he has to be, but he's a really good passing option. And that's, uh, that's intriguing. I hope he uh, catches maybe one or two for Mr. McCarthy mm. while he's still there, but um, you know, it, it tracks really good just because you guys got uh what was it? Davis, I believe. Uh, I think the, you guys got him before because he was between uh, North Carolina and, and uh, Michigan to go as a quarterback. So you guys got a future, you know, as far as a quarterback for Michigan. So, you know, I think this is a good pairing. But what are your thoughts on Cole Command? I know uh, the the weight and stuff kind of concerns you a little bit, right? Yeah, obviously. I mean, when I'm initially doing like my Debbie research, looking at the initial guys coming in, if I see a profile, which I know you were saying five eight five nine, so maybe there's an updated weight somewhere, but I have it written down as five eleven one seventy five, oh, okay. which is how he's listed on. Wrong. Yeah, which is how he's listed on on three, which is just like. Ski, like that's my size man like <laughs> like I'm that's six like, one so yeah yeah like i mean i'm only five nine but still but i'm, I'm right around that 170 pound range and it's like that just strikes me as like just not a very we talked about it a little bit before we were talking about the last guy where we you know feasibly expect around like 12 to 14 pounds that still doesn't even put him close to the 200 pound range so from a debbie perspective i'm very very off i will say if i can see 
when he comes in and now he's listed at like 190, like he grew that 15 pounds, like from where he was originally listed as a recruit, that might make me more happy. Right. So I'm not sure what he's listed at right now. Um, but I guess we'll see that he does have the pass catching upside, like you said, which is one thing that's very nice, but, and, and if you can get any of the running backs to get behind the Michigan running back line, that's what right. you're going to want. They're going to be very high producing CFF assets. But again, you've got um, the other freshman, Benjamin, Benjamin Hall, who broke out in the spring game a little bit as right. well. Is he the next guy in line that he just kind of hopped Cabana because of that is, is Cole Cabana going to come in and dominate um, uh, like we might think he like the higher rank guy he is like, can he really break through, through this room? It, it's just tough for me with the size and everything. If it's going to happen. I mean, Corum's not a huge guy either. So I guess they're not no. they're, They don't have like, they're not totally resistant to, to a guy who's a little bit smaller. So maybe there's a path there for him, but from a Debbie perspective, man, I just, I have a really hard time seeing it with him. He's somebody that, um, I have, I think close to almost a hundred running backs ranked for Debbie right now. Wow. And I'm not even sure if I have him in there right now, not because I don't oh, think wow. he deserves to be in there just because I've never actually taken the time to throw him in, but he mm. would be somewhere near the bottom then. Like I just, I, I have a hard time seeing how it translates to the next level. That, that, that blows my mind a little bit. I'm, I'll be honest with you just because really? like, I'm here, I'm here on your side, but then yeah. I, you know, I talked to like a big wide receiver guy and the guys on the recruiting side mm-hmm. and they loved Cabana. So it was just like, and so then I, I tried to like merge the two and I'm just like, well, I just want the Michigan running back. And if it's yeah. like Donovan Edwards replacement for yeah. CFF, like that's all I care about. I just want some, you know, guy that can just catch it and give me some fantasy points. And it's possible. It's possible know? that I'm focused too much on the weight, but at least this early on in the evaluation, that's the only thing I have to go off of. And when yeah, you're right. 5'11", 175 pounds, like that's just, that just that's doesn't tough. equal NFL translation to me. That's interesting. Yeah. So now I'm curious about another guy I want to bring up and then I'll let you bring mm-hmm. up a few other guys. Sure. Uh, Parker Jenkins going to Houston, right? Four-star oh, okay. prospect. Yes. Um, track star with speed and burst. Uh, he uh, really good at the second level one because he's like that guy that does like 100 meters in like 10.80 seconds. The 200 meter that he does to yep. 21.86. So the dude's fast. So if you can get past the uh, the offensive line, cut into the hole, take off to the second level, you can't find him. What's intriguing to me, though, about Parker Jenkins is opportunity because Mr. Alton McCaskill has now left for the portal. So that leaves that one. They still got uh, – what's the name Johnson or think from uh, that transferred over last year. So they still got yeah. the portal guy, but he never really gave me, it, he, he didn't show enough for me to be like, this guy is going to be the college producer. If that makes sense. And I don't think that, uh, that Holgerson's, I don't, I don't think like, I think he's like, who's, uh, who's the best talent's going to get the option. If that makes sense. Like, I don't think he's a veteran type of guy, if that makes sense per se. So I really like Parker Jenkins, as far as an opportunity in Houston, did you get a chance to look at Parker? Or is he ranked pretty decently in there or haven't got uh, to him yet? Very briefly, I've looked into him. Not yep. ranked yet for me okay. as well, but just very briefly looked into him. Again, a little bit on the smaller side, but definitely better. Right. I have him listed here at 187. I don't know what he is actually in uh, listed on the site. If I could pull it up. Uh, 185. He's 5'10", 185 listed on 247 mm-hmm. Sports. So um, right. pretty good ranking. I like the situation that Houston, like you said, going away from Alton McCaskill. They, they really couldn't settle on a guy last year. You know what right. I mean? Like they, 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 they were, yeah, they were trying to, they're trying to find the guy to kind of replace what McCaskill brought. They're jumping into the power five this year as well, which does help for the profile look as well yep. overall. So again, this is going to be a, a guy where I'm kind of just like, for me personally, he's just on the radar. A guy that ha- is very interesting, had a pretty good offer sheet here from a lot of, a lot of different guys, but he's going to be a guy that I just want to watch. Not a guy that I'm going to be like, crazy reaching for in like supplemental drafts or Debbie drafts or anything like that. But I just want to see how the progression goes. Just a guy that I'm going to be keeping an eye on. I can't say that I'm super in love with, with the profile. Um, You know, little three-star guy here from two, four, seven, a little bit smaller. Um, 
I like, but I like the opportunity here going to Houston. I like where they're going to be heading. Um, playing the Big Twelve defenses aren't that crazy, <laughs> especially right. against, I guess, especially rushing defenses. So he's got an opportunity here, at least one that I, I feel like I can paint better than Cole Cabana. But I do think I like Cole Cabana better as a player overall. Yeah, and here's where it gets interesting because in CFF, it's like you think that you know you would want to take Cabana or you'd want to take uh, you know Love and stuff like that. I personally, I probably would have. Uh, Jenkins ranked a little higher because of the opportunity to get in and, and start right away type situation. But you do have to look at Houston. Like they are really passive. They got, you know, the transfer of Donovan Smith. They got our boy Matthew Golden doing his thing yeah. over there in Houston. So they're pass friendly first, right? And then you got a bunch of really good, like four star guys for wide receiver coming in too. So the Houston wide receiver room is getting really good and really fast, which yeah. is great for Pete, especially for the uh, for the Big 12. Um, but, uh, you know, there is a trajectory where the Houston running back being productive because they haven't changed their system. It's still the same. And so that's where I'd be more intrigued with Jenkins, even as a three star, than I would be as Cabana as a four, uh, even though we all want to make Michigan running back, so he's still going to yeah. be highly coveted. Um, but in the CFF and Dynasty, I definitely like Jenkins a little bit higher. So that's where I love the two worlds being a little bit different, where it's like, Debbie, you're like, nah, I'll, I'll pass, or you yeah. know, I'll wait a little while or see what happens. Where CFF's like, wait, excuse me, no one's in the Houston running back room, and this kid is actually pretty decent and he's yes, explosive. Yeah. Let me get that guy. Um, so that's where it kind of changed a little bit. So I gave you Cabana and Jenkins. What are some of uh, a couple of your guys' honorable mentions that you like as far as when you, when you did it? <laughs> see, it's so funny because this, this is exactly where Debbie, and maybe, you know, I think that if you're a Debbie analyst, you should be a bit of a sizist because the NFL is sizist, yeah, right? Absolutely. So even like all like the, the guys I have here i wrote down three guys i don't have to get into all of them but again three guys with size roger robinson over to, to georgia cameron selden over to tennessee and caleb jackson over to to lsu right so to three guys that are all over 220 pounds so i mean initially i just love the profile right start here with roger robinson going over to to georgia you know six foot 235 pounds runs a 21.9 miles per hour that combination of things That's those dope. three things uh, that puts him on a similar wavelength as Saquon Barkley. That puts him on a similar wavelength as Bo Jackson and Derrick Henry as athletic specimens, not as everything else put together, but just athletically, that's what puts him on that spectrum, which is the type of upside you want to buy in on Debbie. Just like we miss enough in Debbie, you know what I mean? So if you get a, a, something that looks like that at a place like Georgia, where they just like are the running back factory of the NFL, right. you're going to take a shot on that regardless, you know, and you're mm -hmm. really betting on the raw traits with him because he is a pretty raw player from a, from a technicality standpoint. He was really like a man amongst boys. Didn't need to be technically refined when you can just bulldoze through everybody impossible to bring down with that kind of frame um did show some promising movement skills for a guy of his size though like kind of like some nimble feet at times he's just the type of guy that's gonna need to saturate a little bit but i really think like his ceiling is is massive you know he's he's the type of guy that you want to take a shot on a debbie just to see what's going to happen here um the other guy that i'm really in love with this class is uh cameron selden going over to tennessee okay is and this he, guy's is he the guy that is comp to Bo Jackson? Is that the one I saw in the spring game? Is that no, him? the guy I just talked about actually is the guy oh, that, that was comp to Bo Jackson. Yes. Holy cow. Okay. Yeah. His speed. Cause like his. It's supposed to be yeah. like Bo Jackson comparison level. I'm just like, holy cow. Yeah, athletically anyways. Roger, the thing with Roger Robinson is we did see him in that spring game as well. He got a lot of playing time because there wasn't a lot of other running backs as well. Didn't exactly do anything eye-popping. There wasn't a lot of people talking about him. He just kind of bulldozed into the line. That's the kind of things with him that – like I said, he's going to kind of saturate and sit there and just kind of like earn his keep in the Georgia running back room, which is very crowded as well. But again, another situation where you really only need one year 
at the, in the Georgia, uh, leading the Georgia running back room to get drafted at the next level, right? So I think he has that type of upside. But the guy that I think is probably the most interesting player in this cycle is Cameron Selden, a running back slash wide receiver, I guess, if you want to call him that, going over mm-hmm. to Tennessee. 6'2", 220 pounds, runs a 22.4 miles per hour recruiting year from, yeah, from our recruiting team, which is Man. just like, it, it's just an amazing combination of things. This like his skill set puts him on a spectrum of guys like Antonio Gibson and Raheem Sanders, which are kind of also wide receiver running back types um, with a lot of size and speed. Um, But again, this is the kind of thing where I didn't actually love Selden's receiving ability as a pure receiver. Like it reminds me a lot of Antonio Gibson at Memphis where like the routes are rounded. There's a lot of, a lot of body catches here and there, but when you put him in the backfield, those skills become a plus you become a plus as a running back when you have at least a, a basic knowledge of wide receiver skills. Right. So, um, I, I think he wanted to be a wide receiver, but I was very happy that Tennessee decided I'm gonna we're gonna put this guy running back first and see what he does. He kind of did a little bit of both uh, in high school. So you're talking about a guy who, uh, who has that Raheem Sanders skill set that I was very high on, um, and I'm very high on Selden as well. I've talked about using him in creative ways, kind of like a Debo esque role. We saw a little bit of it in the spring game. They split him a wide a couple times with the first team, caught a few bubble screens, even had like an explosive uh, 20 yard touchdown. Just another guy with very impressive intangibles that could make him like stand out uh, among his peers when the time comes. But Corey, there's only one other uh, Debo guy and that's Luther Burden. I'm just playing with you. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But no, that's, I, I, awesome. that's not, that's not a comparison to Debo. I don't think he has that at the next level. I'm thinking yeah. more like, I'm thinking more like what, what we hoped Antonio Gibson would have been at the next level. You know what I mean? Yeah, Which he struggled exactly, yeah. to kind of like, like become what we were hoping for, but yeah, that's yeah. kind of what I'm hoping here with Selden. Yeah. But anyway, I, I love the comparisons. I love the opportunity. Um, was it? It was. Uh, we even talked about a Tennessee guy last year. What was it? Justin Thomas. Uh, or... Don't even talk to me about Justin Williams. <laughs> I'm well, so he transferred, upset. man. I'm He's so, okay. I know. I'm so right. I'm so upset about that one though, Max. I honestly thought you know Tennessee very hard on young guys. I've learned looking yeah. into them year after year. Very hard on young guys. You know, even a lot of the the quotes they say in their in their uh, interviews and stuff. Like He's still adjusting. He's still the game is coming. It needs to slow down for him a little bit. And blah blah. Right. You heard a lot of that with a guy like Justin Williams Thomas last year, which I should have put more into, I guess. But I guess. yeah, unfortunately, it just didn't work. Out. I'm hoping for better with Selden. He was already playing with the first team in right. in in spring team uh, game as well. By the way, but mostly split out and doing some fun things. Either way, it seems like they're going to use him uh, in a very creative way. Yeah, uh, we all thought that. Our boy Justin was going to surpass Jabari Small and just peace out and take yeah. over Tennessee. But it's all right. Got a new opportunity, transferred elsewhere. So we're yeah. still going to probably see that happen. Uh, so just keep an eye out on the Tennessee uh, running back room because you want to have at least the, the one, you know what I'm saying, or at least one of them basically as you're moving on to go. So definitely check those guys out. Sir, are you ready for the big fish small pond? All right, give it to me. Hey, man, I'm going to say that last one you gave me last year, he, he just ended up a dead roster clogger on my roster. So you better he have was. a better, you better have a better game for me this year. <laughs> we, we were talking about that pre-episode. I was like, out of all of it, man, Gatson was the worst. It was the biggest whiff. What a knucklehead. Oh man. He reminds me of Chris Marshall who just got dipped out of Ole Miss. Oh, Bunch that's of knuckleheads, man. Too, yeah. Bunch of knuckleheads. So sorry guys, but Gatson, I meant guy was P5 supposed to go to G5. Turns out it was because he was a knucklehead. My bad. Um, <laughs> this guy actually was from P5 to G5 for different reasons, and it's a good reason. So let's talk about him. And that is Mr. Darrell Robinson. He is an on-three consensus, 88.17. He is a three-star, and he committed to the Charlotte 49ers. So, you know, a few hours uh, west towards me, basically here in the state of North Carolina. The good thing about Mr. Darrell Robinson is uh, 
he has opportunity, and we'll talk about the offers that he had and who he committed to originally, but he chose to go G5 because he is following his former head coach from high school actually over to the college level as well, and that's where uh, this is going to pay dividends for us as well. So let's take a look at his measurements. He's six feet, 200 pounds. He's the seventh RB overall, 24-7. I know you're a 24-7 guy, so snuck that in there for you. So he's the seventh overall. He went to St. Francis Academy there in Maryland. Uh, so he was very high prospect uh, going in the state of Maryland as well. So this year he was a part of the this year's Under Armour All-American game, so he got a little look as well. He originally was at Boston College, but he did decommit to join his high school head coach, who took the job over in Charlotte. Um and their high school, where they both were at, they were ranked eighth overall in Max Preps. I'm a big Max Preps guy. And so if you can get ranked pretty high as overall, that means the competition was fairly good, especially with playing over in Maryland. And his first five games as a senior, uh, he exploded immediately with 80 carries, 582 yards, and five touchdowns. Uh, that's like the last I saw on Max Preps before. So I haven't really checked since then to see how the rest of the season earned. So needs to say explosive, got the size, got the skill, has the opportunity as well. Um, and so I was going through some reports because I was like, all right, Robinson, uh, Boston College, like he we'll, we'll look at the offers in just a second. But almost the entire ACC offered him, which I thought was pretty, pretty uh, significant because yeah. these are P5 schools that are looking at him, not to mention here, a few yeah. others. Yeah, he's got a good offer sheet and we'll take a look real quick and then we'll kind of talk about it. So Charlotte's where he committed to, but he originally was at Boston College. Virginia Tech offered him. Georgia Tech, Penn State, which I'm glad he didn't go there. There's uh, between Singleton and Katron. It just would be a waiting game, basically. Ole Miss, do you really want to go sit beside, uh, behind Quinshawn Juckins? Probably not. Uh, Maryland, which is his home state, so we knew that was coming. West Virginia, the Buffalo Bulls, which I'm always for some action. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Louisville, uh, which, like I said, change of pace. It's different. Uh, I think as soon as Owens moved over from A&M, uh, they started throwing out different offers to running backs and Durrell was one of those guys, but that's not it. He also got offered by Coach mm-hmm. Prime. This is an ongoing joke now. Everyone's getting offered by <laughs> Everyone, Coach Prime, yeah. <laughs> including last week. Prime Prime said it's not hard to find, but he's also trying to find him some guys. So, <laughs> so there's an option. Uh, Indiana, uh, Kansas, which I think is pretty decent. Um, Toledo, like I said, Max, you got to love it. Uh, UConn, which I think is good. I think him and Zion Turner would have been a nice little combo action there. And UConn has some pretty decent run game for the most part. Marshall, which I think is pretty decent. Coastal Carolina, who's produced some really good running backs like C.J. Maribel and a few others there in the past, Mm -hmm. and Rutgers. So between all of those guys, he did choose Charlotte to go with his former head coach. So looking at the spring game, they didn't play him a whole lot. But I did read that uh, they were pretty much trying to conserve him as he was still – on campus, he was trying to read the playbook, stuff like that. But the coach said that they are looking to be very run heavy this offseason. So they still have Shadrick Bird, which most of the CFF guys know about Bird there at uh, mm-hmm. at Charlotte. Um, good for the most part. I wouldn't say he's a guy where you're starting him every week. He's definitely like a flex option and stuff like that. Um, but we're looking at Robinson getting on the field ASAP. And so I'm looking at opportunity. I'm looking at the connection, just like we have Makai Lemon and Malachi Nelson being best friends with, like, I don't know, birth. Um, and then uh, going and having Darrell Robinson as an opportunity. And the fact that he chose G5, which he could be definitely a P5 guy. He definitely has the talent and skill set and things like that. But he's going to a lower competition. I think they did move to the AAC this year, so they are moving up and playing a little bit higher tier G5 play for the most mm-hmm. part. Um but still, I mean, like he's he's almost like a man amongst boys, if that makes sense, especially as a Charlotte 49er. So just by looking at his offer sheet, 
his measurements, things like that, maybe his on three consensus and the fact that he has that connection with the head coach. What's your thoughts on uh, Robinson heading to Charlotte and what's your uh, – I don't think, you know, Debbie, it'd be hard for you to press yeah. on anything <laughs> like that. But as far as, like, college production level, what's, what's your process there and just a guy with his statue going to a G5 school like that? Yeah, you have to put a lot of faith in this guy as a Debbie pick late at the end of your draft if you're going to take Probably, that, which right? some people really do do that. We have De- we have Debbie – excuse me, Debbie leagues out there where guys are drafting like middle schoolers and stuff. It's, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Um, there's one I think called like the pinnacle of Debbie, which is like one of one of the grand, I won't get too much into it, but they were drafting like guys in the eighth grade and guys in the ninth grade. And I'm just like, man, that's just, that's just crazy. So leagues like that, this definitely, this guy, yeah, this guy definitely becomes like an option here. Right. So, but I love that connection with, with the, with the coach there that should lead to at least understanding what he can do and how, what he can do on the field and stuff like that and how he can, uh, and how he can help the team. So I think that that will lead to some, some time early on in, in, um, in his playing career as well. And then when you're looking at the offer sheet, you're talking about a guy that a lot of people thought had talent. So when you're going down to Charlotte um, with a guy who thought had power five talent, the, the theoretical thinking there is that he should be a man amongst boys. He should be able to dominate this level of competition and hopefully be a high end CFF target um, for you to kind of, to, to kind of prioritize in your supplemental drafts. I mean, I guess for me, the, I mean, you've already explained it enough, but it's basically just a CFF guy. Um, somebody that maybe, you know, yeah. because hopefully we're going to have a better track record than Gadsden, but now a guy that I'm going to yes. kind of put a, a guy that I'm going to kind of put towards the end of my list here and kind of, kind of see if I can squeeze him in at the end of my drafts and maybe get some, get some early production out of him or at least production down the line. Maybe he becomes the guy next year. I can give me three to four solid years at, at that, um, at this level. Yeah, and uh, just to keep everyone in mind, Cedric Bird only has one year left. I think this is his senior season. So at most, we could probably get three strong years of Darrell Robinson uh, there at the G5 level, which I think is pretty enticing. So yeah. and once again, we had the, the discussion earlier, like because of the production, guys like Robinson, guys like uh, Perkins and then things like that almost become more intriguing than those of like, uh, you know, Richard Young, who's actually got way more talent. And, you know, yeah, often. it's yeah. just so nuts. Right. But that's CFF for you. Um like I said, like I, I hate it because like we're we're going off of where there's no there's no like really ADP when it comes to CF Dynasty. There's no you know actual done. So we're going on just like based on what his opportunity is, his his skill set, and then where mm. he goes. Um, so the opportunities there, the talent is there. He's familiarity, and that's where I like that yeah. a lot. Um, y'all look for the you know like me and Jared discussing the nepotism or the brotherhood or you know the friendship or the roommate or the girlfriend situation in, in college because that's usually like a, a Chuck Sizzle situation where it's like yeah. hey my best friend's Charlie Jones I'm gonna get him over to the dude <laughs> and now Chuck Sizzle's a Cincinnati Bengals so that's what's up yeah. Um, yeah. you know so guys like that that's what we're looking for going out of a, a stickier situation where Boston College I think Garwa is still there for another year or so so he would have had to sit longer so this is right. actually a better opportunity for Robinson to start and be a one B in year one and be the complete one a or if anything just the, the big time guy starting next year as well so yeah. that's why i'm a believer Dar- darrell robinson and i think we should be taking him uh the good thing is uh he'll slip under the radar of course after <laughs> after a few episodes and stuff like that people start to you know put these guys on a list and things like that and kind of check them out and so he might move up a little bit as far as a couple rounds or anything like that but he's definitely a guy we could probably get I would take him a little bit higher. I would probably say ninth or 10th round, but you could probably wait until 11th or 12th round, even the supplemental stuff. Because like just people forget about Charlotte, man. Like guys, uh, you know, 
teams like that or, you know, things like that. It's almost like people, especially in the CFF community, they love the Maction, bro. Like the Maction yeah. is where it's at, right? You know, we were all like big on Colin Schley and things like that before he transferred to UCLA, things like that, where it's like our boy Tez Walker at Carolina, he's killing it still, you know, at a P5 level, but he was dominating the Maction. So it's like guys like that are going to probably be taking even over Darrell Robinson. And I want to take advantage of that, man. I think uh, he would be a nice one to just grab on the option. And he could be, uh, who knows, like if Shadrick Berger's down injury, looking at a guy that could probably yeah. Be in a flex spot possibly as early as like you know week seven or something like that. You never know. And we talk about a lot, like you said, the situations change a lot. And these relationships have, you know, we need somebody to be keeping track of this stuff. We need to know when Cooper Cup is staying in in the room with Matthew Stafford. And we need to know when Charlie Jones knows that needs to be at the forefront that Charlie Jones was such good, uh, had a touch a good relationship with O'Connell because these things really do lead to to more usage at the next level. You know what I mean? Guys who they can trust when there's chemistry there, when there's trust goes such a long way. People don't even realize, you know, when, oh, you you look like these all-star games and guys are playing with guys like five-star guys for the first time and like they look a little bit off and people hold it. It's like, you don't know how much chemistry means knowing that a guy is going to be somewhere or can do something that you rely on. So there's, there's some room here, at least for him to make, to make some noise, at least early. I like that part of it. So you better do me better than uh, DeAnthony Gatson last year. That's all I can say. This this is me (laughs) making up. This is me making up to the DeAnthony Gatson one. As long as this guy's not an uncle head, which I have not seen any reports or anything of him being an uncle head or choosing G5 schools because he sucks. He doesn't, he's really good. He just decided to go with his head coach. So I think I can make it up to you this year, man. Um, I, I did just want to say though too you were mentioning about how like you know cff adp is all over the place and everything that's why i truly believe what we do here at c2c like yeah. is a, is very difficult you know what i mean we're trying to be first in this scene where like it's there, different. there yeah. isn't a lot of adp to go off you don't have your general you don't have your fantasypros.com you can type in and go look at where everybody's going and tell you where you should be valuing these guys you know we're trying to mm-hmm. figure it out early on in the process and finding guys like this finding relationships like this is kind of how you're going to start to get ahead and, and get guys at the bottom of your drafts that are going to help you go forward. So, I mean, I just, I, I've always loved what we're doing here at C2C and I think it's, I think it's, it's groundbreaking stuff, you know? Yep. And they can listen to degenerates like us that has spent multiple <laughs> hours just trying to find these relationships. Yeah, like, exactly. like, yo, this head coach is going over here. Yeah. I'm taking this dude. Um, so, you know, that's where it's at. Um, yeah. But Corey, I want to thank you for coming on, man. Uh, I know you said something about the Debbie guy real quick. You want to spill that one more time where people can find you and maybe some of a few things you got coming up here pretty soon. Yeah, you can find me at FF underscore guitarist on Twitter. Um, I'm on there spewing Debbie nonsense, even some some college nonsense, some CFF nonsense, some C2C nonsense. Um, you know, I, I'm a big tape guy, so you're going to find a lot of tape on there. Um, when I cut up and I find some interesting, I always put it on there. So make sure you follow me. Always open for a conversation as well. Get in those DMs. If you haven't checked it out yet, Go check out that Devi guide. If you're somebody who, who's an avid dynasty player, wants to get ahead, this is the type of guy that's going to get you ahead, get you ready for the next class, get you trading for those 2024 picks earlier, or let you know if you should be bypassing 24, looking at 2025. These are the kind of things that are in the guide to let you know who you, sh- who you should be targeting. Like I said, 200, almost 250 profiles in there of players, individual profiles. We go right deep on these guys. You're going to find everything that you need to know on this uh, from this sheet of paper on each guy without having to watch a snap. So it's really beneficial to you guys to, to head back in there, head to campus, uh, to canton.com to, to find out how to get that guide, um, where you can get it. Uh, the subscriptions there also included. So find out your subscription options there and become a member because honestly, like the tools and they have the, uh, everything that's going there from CFF to the recruiting to C2C to dynasty. You have no better one-stop shop for everything that you need. If you're an avid fantasy football player. So, um, 
yeah, I guess that's really, I'm just, I'm sitting back right now. I'm enjoying the, the release of the Debbie guide. I'm just shamelessly promoting it everywhere. So that's really what I'm doing right now. I'm going to start picking it up again, you know, in the next week or so, get back to writing some articles, but uh, thanks again for having me on. I've always loved doing these, uh, these freshman podcasts uh, with you. And I know we'll be, uh, this will start up our usual uh, yearly where we start uh, trading some bands uh, back and forth together for some, uh, some new metal music that I need to listen to. Cause I need to refresh my playlist, man. So you got to hit me with some names. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I've been hitting all the uh, old school ones. Or I'll, that's I'll me too. I just been yeah. I've been I'll rotating to the, the old ones. Uh, I'll go to like Pump Goes Pop, where it's just like I just want to feel all my metal bands play all of the pop. Yes, music. I know, do that too. Like, I do like that, that too. Yeah. So like my, my taste is, I really do need to dig into it. There's a few couple ones that I've heard in the in, in the process of just people like, hey man, I know you're in a band. Check this one out and get a chance. So I got a few names I need to check out. So once I do that, I'll, I'll be uh, in the Slack channel and, and talking oh, to you about. Oh, and don't think I didn't notice that Winnipeg Blue Bombers dynasty hey, you got behind your uh, behind go, your dude. camera right there hell yeah two to three years and we were in the championship last year and lost just we were in the great second. cup okay, but... with dalton show from kansas state what a yeah. stud year yo uh real quick for anyone playing cfl our our boy javon Hiley, who used to play for coastal carolina cff stud is on mm. the winnipeg roster oh yeah it's a deep roster but if any, if javon Hiley can get on the field for the winnipeg blue bombers the dude's gonna break out and i'm excited <laughs> I, so, don't, I don't know how many CFL dynasty players are out there yeah. but yeah <laughs> no but i play with my friends up north so you know i try to be yeah. you know i'm just a degenerate i just love football have you actually found a cfl league i've never found um, only, only daily that's all i have that's all I for see. those that are still listening yes uh yeah. I, I uh so they have um they have cfl fantasy on their regular website so it's like uh almost like dfs where they have prices and you just pick a lineup and it's different each week yeah, yeah that's yeah. cool and then i can usually translate that into DraftKings. i play a lot of dfs regardless yeah. um and then uh but yeah there is one uh, which i'm trying to fantrax was talking to us a little bit about a cfl like uh platform which would be cool right but oh, uh nice. if they can't then uh people they have like uh it's a uh, 110 yards.com or something like that or .ca where you know they it's the homage to the 100 and you know 10 yeah. yards versus the 100 yard line yeah yeah um yeah. And so they go there to uh, set up dynasty leagues and kind of, so that way it's not all spreadsheet. They actually have like a uh, website that didn't connect yeah, and go and set hey, a lineup or something. Well, so reach out to your start, boy. Right? Yeah. Reach out to your boy. If you start one, I'd be interested. Yeah, man. I'll, be down. <laughs> I'll hit you up. If anything, I'll get you in the one that's the regular one where we, you know, you just pick the guys for the week or something like that. Sounds fun. good, brother. But anyway, enough of CFL talk for <laughs> our guys there. <laughs> just uh, lost 86 for, listeners. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. If you, if you peace out two minutes, if you're still here, you're a real one. I appreciate you. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the future freshman podcast. And we'll see you next week. Peace.